0: I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Miss Kim Lowe. Hello. And we welcome you once again to join us here in the booth. And tonight tonight we kick off our fourth season after the fun that we had. Obviously, we're looking at the filmographies of Paul W. Sanson, Guillermo del Toro, and Sofia Coppola. We now move on to the filmography of Ang Lee, a director who has had not only his critical acclaim, but also been recognized by the Academy on more than one occasion. And at the same time, is not the sort of director who leaps out to you as being a favorite director as such. Even though he has produced some absolutely astonishing films over his career with films such as like and Tiger, and Dragon, which reinvigorated the wuxia genre, through to the likes of Brokeback Mountain, giving us some absolutely stunning cinematography as we got to see a director here who has just continued to evolve his cinematic style from movie to movie. And certainly over the course of his filmography, we're going to be highlighting some of the many themes that Lee incorporates into his work, as well as the evolution of his style as a director. Kim, when it comes to obviously Ang Lee's work, I mean, are you sort of a fan or is he someone you you sort of dip in and out of? I
1: think it's more intrigue. Because when, say, like, when he first started with his debut, which is, you know, the trilogy that we're looking at tonight. It was kind of like in that phase where I was too young to appreciate it, but I remembered my dad watching it. So I remembered, like, when I was watching it, the glimpses that I, like, familiar scenes. Um, But then, you know, obviously the first time I sat down to watch a Ang Lee movie was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Which, you know, to me, I thought it was a bit... You know, because I grew up in, you know, the wushu thing, right? So, to me, it was a bit been there, done that. And mm-hmm. I didn't really quite get that whole fascination, for myself at least. But I feel like I've talked to other people about it and, and whatnot. And I feel like if I rewatched it now, I might have a different appreciation for it. Um, You know, just, you know, in terms like now I know how to talk about cinematography and, you know, <laughs> screenplay and fun little things and I have a whole new appreciation of Zhang Ziyi which I didn't have for the longest time until like recent past year kind of thing but there's a lot of movies in Ang Lee's filmography which I'm more intrigued as in like I haven't seen it yet you know like less less caution or you know even Brokeback Mountain I haven't seen I own it but I don't have it like I haven't seen it um there's like I have a lot of Blind spots in this one, like I haven't seen a lot of his films, so I'm, you know, I'm really interested to see where it takes us because, you know, Angley isn't like the other directors we've looked at, um, where they they have like a very similar genre, they have a very similar kind of uh, style in all their films. Whereas Angley, you look at his movies quickly, you kind of like, yeah, maybe you know the three we did this time. Was kind of like a starting point so they had kind of like a link to each other uh but everything else after that you know he goes into period dramas and then he goes into wushu and he goes into like you know broke up mountain is that considered a western uh, um and then you know you go into like more of the erotic thriller which is something like you know less caution and there's a lot of things to look at and it, it's going to be interesting to see like just I would say probably it might be a similarity in cinematography or in a similarity it's just his 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 way that he portrays a situation might be like I'm I'm really interested to see where that goes.
0: Definitely so and as you said he's a director who doesn't work just specifically with one particular genre of film and certainly that's what i it already stands him out from the previous directors we've covered, where well, obviously when we look at like, Pedro Vesantin, who's sort of like very much on a horror slant, and then we have Guillermo del Toro, who's more that sort of like adult fairy tale and Sofia Coppola, <laughs> who is more uh, social satire when we sort of like look at movies on a whole, but with Ang Lee, he doesn't just work in any one particular genre, he works in all genres. Uh, yeah. we can something really sort of special the fact he's able to adapt himself. So, as you said, one minute we can have like a family drama movie, and the next we can have a comic book movie, or he can mm-hmm. do an erotic thriller, like uh, you were saying with like, Lost Caution. So, you never know what he's going to come out with next, and I think that's what certainly. very exciting about uh about lee as a director is the fact that he has just this ability to adapt himself to any style of film that he chooses to make
1: and i think it's also you know there's this um subtlety to his work probably very obvious in these first three movies um maybe less so in his future ones but there's like a lot of subtle detail that goes into a lot of his work and i'm You know, while I don't remember a ton of stuff, I think the last movie recent, the most recent movie I saw of Ang Lee probably was Hulk while I was going through my Marvel phase. I really hope to see a lot more of the subtlety, right? Like, uh, I've seen Sense and Sensibility and stuff, and that kind of has a bit of that, but it's an Austen movie, so it's not really, like, super hard to put together.
0: I think we'd be- probably best off to start with a little bit of background on uh, Ang Lee. I mean, he was obviously born in Taiwan and came over to the US in 1979 to complete his bachelor's degree in theatre after being inspired to become an actor after he saw Ingmar Bergman's The Virgin Spring, a film which he really s- it's always been like a film that just really resonated with him. Um, however, it was while pursuing this goal that he found that acting was very difficult because he had issues with speaking English, so decided to make the move to directing instead. Now, while he was studying for his MFA in film production in New York, he was working alongside the alongside Spike Lee, whose thesis film *Joe's Bed* uh, barbershop we cut heads. Uh, Lee worked on as part of his crew, uh, as well as working on his own thesis, a uh, forty-three minute drama *Fine Line*, uh, which he made in 1984, and won in the NYU's Wasserman Award for outstanding direction and. While this would have potentially set him up for huge success in his career, it really didn't. I mean, it was be another six years before he finally breaks into the industry. And again, this is only after he enters and wins first and second place in a screenplay competition organized by the uh, Chinese government of all people. And... It was the scripts for pushing hands and the wedding banquet that won those places Um, Initially the government didn't want to allow him to win because The Wedding Banquet obviously features themes of homosexuality, which they were against. But it did catch the attention of uh, Hueso Long Kong, who saw a freshness in Lee's unique style and invited him to direct his feature film Pushing Hands, which we're obviously going to be talking about this evening, along with The Wedding Banquet and Eat Drink Man Woman, which make up his trilogy, which is often known as his Father Knows Best trilogy. And it's really from this trilogy that he transitioned into the Hollywood system, moving away from writing to focus on directing and all the time he's continued to work with producer and writer James Seamus, who along with his um, editor Tim Squires, who've worked on the majority of his films, even joining him as he makes his occasional returns to Asian cinema with films such as like Crutchin' Tiger and Dragon and Lost Caution. So we're getting the thing, obviously the best place to start as we always do with these film, is right at the beginning. So right off the bat, we've got pushing hands. This is released in 1991, a film, which blends both English and, uh, Chinese dialogue. I went to, am I right in saying that was it more Pacific?
1: No, it's, it's, it's right. It's Chinese. Okay. It's a, it's yeah, it's a Mandarin. Like they, they use most of these films are in Mandarin. Um, they focus a lot. Uh, it's very odd because Ang Lee likes to use, um, I guess because Taiwan, people don't really understand the difference between Taiwan and China, that he focuses on his actors being like from China or like have have escaped China to go to Taiwan or, or something like that in their history portions.
0: Yeah. Um, the film itself, it uh, follows an elderly Chinese... Um... Chi teacher and grandfather who emigrates from Beijing to live with his son um, who has an American wife and uh, also a son. And they live in the New York City suburbs and it's created a sort of tension really between the the wife and uh, and this grandfather figure because he doesn't speak English and she doesn't really speak much Chinese. So there's constantly this line between them and here Lee chooses to focus on sort of like the clashing of culture as well as a sort of changing times as we're shown right from the start to the split between cultures where she's there working on a laptop and he's practicing Tai Chi and they were constantly shown in separate rooms to each other which really sort of emphasizes this cultural clash that um, Lee chooses to focus on and while it's not perhaps a, a perfect movie it's certainly shows Lee having the bait sort of the groundings of a director of interest that would certainly, you know, evolve over the the films which followed. But I mean, Kim, how do you find pushing hands?
1: I think pushing hands is um is is a really great start for um just people getting into I think because, you know, we need to think about the fact that this movie came out in early nineties and While there were um, a lot of, I guess, you know, Chinese immigrants at that time, not a whole lot of people understand a lot of the culture, I would say. Like, at least not as much as now. So pushing hands is really great because people know Tai Chi exists, um, but very little people know about one of the techniques called pushing hands, which which is really just it's kind of like the way that it uses um you know the negative energy to retract to like to like flow back into the other person kind of thing so it's a smooth movement that goes on and it's and a lot of people and i think that it reflects the relationship between um kind of like the father the son and uh the 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 daughter-in-law pretty much um, and how they function through the thing, and how he tries to, you know, find that balance. And at the same time, his son is also trying to find a balance. Whereas I think the hardest part of all these movies is when we look at, say, um, in Pushing Hands specifically, the it kind of emphasizes, like, the selfish American. Because the wife is made very selfish. Like, she's she's done in a way where it's like, It's her way or nothing kind of thing. Um, She really doesn't like the situation. She thinks that he, he's, she's babysitting him. She thinks that the father is, you know, she can't communicate. And she thinks that he's the cause of all the problems in her house and her career. And, you know, she's pretty much blaming him for a lot of, you know, the, the rough things that are going on right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, and there's obviously this underlying, you said already, you've got the underlying tension, the fact they're in this tiny little house, and both the grandfather and, and uh, the wife, they're, they're pretty much on top of each other the whole day, and the conflict and in interest, like she's trying to get her book done, and he's trying to watch like, just random VHS's of like, of different, uh, different films and stuff, and the whole sequence there where he's like watching watching these films it was like how indecisive is this man he sort of watches a few seconds or something like people doing kung fu and then he switches over to people eating and then he like switches over to chinese opera and it's sort of like the most like noisiest film clips he can find but at the same time he never seems to be able to settle on any one thing
1: but the 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 whole thing behind it is you know in the conversation of what they're having is the fact that. When he's telling his his son about, you know, um, just pushing hands in general, like in the movie itself. Like, he's talking about, you know, oh, did you, his son comes home and is like, oh, did you watch the movies? And, you know, the things that I rented for you, did you like them? Uh, Is there anything you want me to pick up more? And he was like, oh, I watched them. But, you know, he's like, he's like, oh, this is, all this stuff is, because he is a Tai Chi master. So he sees these things and he sees all of this as... Um, the world becoming this very shallow place. nothing has depth, nothing is real. Um, all this stuff that's going on is is weak and unrealistic and it's all very you know how how uh, we've talked about films which have kind of like jumping through editing a lot in action scenes. this is pretty much what he means. He means that it's not authentic. it lacks the real realism that you know you would normally get. You know, from what he would expect from something that he can immerse into. Because while he likes it, he doesn't really love it. And it it shows his values are very, like, um, you know, true to his culture. Mm. Like, he grew up with this. He expects this to be better. But his son, on the other hand, is has already changed. He's been in America so long that you can call him whitewashed if you want. Um where he's already like while he wants his his son to learn like his younger his, his his little boy to learn chinese and all this culture he also lets a lot of stuff go because he's like oh it's already good that if he, he if he gets uh, if he even gets to learn this language even if the teacher has a bad like has a ha, doesn't have has an accent when she speaks has an american accent when she speaks chinese yeah or you know like bad pronunciation or whatever and at the same time like oh she, he he's learning all this stuff and you know it, it's it's you're it's already good that you get this kind of thing so he's very like he's very kind of like you know lenient mm-hmm. on the culture while still wanting to be a part of it but i think you know when when you talk about that it's 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 just it's just different valu- values of growing up in a different place and the distance that they've had between each other as His father, you know, goes through all the hard times that he has in China. And his son gets to, you know, to let his son be able to enjoy this big country in America. So, you know, like, one of the big things is you were talking about the home element. And you're saying that this is a small home. But I think one of the key sentences in, like, one of the key dialogues in this movie is... When I don't remember the line exactly because I I, watched, I couldn't find it with an English subtitle <laughs> so yeah. I, I watched this in Chinese so I uh, I, I had to kind of translate it as I was going but generally one of the lines what it what he says is um you know the son made a point earlier that you know to his wife where in China in in China a house of our size could fit four families and you're complaining about how the size is 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 too small but he ends up giving in to his wife obviously. And, you know, kind of like being a bit harder on his father, whereas his father, when he when he, you know, eventually runs away from the house to be like, you know, you don't need me anymore. And, you know, I'm in the way of everybody and and stuff like that. He writes a letter to his son and he and, and one of those are the key lines. It just breaks my heart kind of is he's like a small place in China could hold, you know, he's like thinking about, you know, a small place like China could hold so much like in their home but a big developed place like the usa can't even hold him so like they can't you know like he feels like he feels like as his son i think in that sense it's like as his son grew up he lost that element of family and you know in the states that has become much looser in the sense where you know, his son talks about, I think one of the main elements to talk about in any of Ang Lee's movies, um, in these three, is the um, very important uh, value that Chinese children grow up of uh, respecting and and taking care of your parents.
0: Yeah, it's certainly something that that stood out to me, the fact that the The father leaves the family home, and I mean the the whole living situation has such pressure attached because her mother's offering to give them a loan so that they can get a bigger place, and he doesn't want to be like and have uh take the lungs He feels that you know it comes with strings attached to it, and he'd rather you know yeah. provide be the provider for the family. So the fact that the grandfather leaves the family home. It's kind of shocking in itself, and it, cause it's as I say, it's so unheard of in in these sort of films, especially *Invasion*. So we see like the the elder parent being sort of forced out of the uh, the family home, like we see here. Um, so I mean, you. have mentioned already the fact that there was no English subtitles now, yeah I also had a pretty dodgy copy where some joker thought it'd be really funny not to include English subtitles so huge portions of this film I was sat watching and thinking is this an artistic direction that we're supposed to like feel what the wife's feeling the fact that she doesn't understand what he's saying so we're in, we're in her mindset by not being able to understand the Chinese dialogue throughout the film so t- turns out that yeah. wasn't the case it's just I had a really bad copy so
1: Yeah, pretty much. But I, I mean, I found it on a, on a, on a China, Chinese streaming, uh, Mm. app. So that was kind of like, uh, you know, (laughs) so I had to watch it in Chinese subtitles. There was, there was no other way that I could do it. They, they weren't going to give you any English ones. So, Mm. uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's one of the most important things is that, um, Ang Lee uses these movies, um, each of these, I mean, um, as a foundation one here we learn about you know the is uh is kind of like the foundation of tai chi and how it moves into you know his own life and leaving for him is also kind of like that whole trait of a parent always wants to be you know he he's he's done a lot for his son already so he doesn't want him in this tough situation he doesn't want to be he wants to be, you know, the man of the house, just like his son wants to be the man of his house. He doesn't re- want to rely on his his mother in law's money. So there's a lot of that, you know, face in as we call it in Chinese, where it's kind of like, um, kind of like, you know, you're the you're the man of the house. You need to, you know, you need to respect someone's face is is really just like um, their position in the house and you don't ever want to feel weak so at the same time when the father feels this weakness coming in and he feels like he's unwanted he he would rather uh, leave the situation to alleviate it than be eventually you know put in a place where you know he's going to be kicked out of his house
0: definitely so and i mean this these ideas of like family and duty that they're reoccurring themes have been Angley's work, so we're more than likely going to be touching upon these these ideas again. And one of the uh, the aspects I really liked about the film is just the where well, we've obviously got this this culture clash, where we have like the young boy comes out of his bath and he runs through, and we got the grandfather looking under his towel, um, mm-hmm. which with the the husband like reassures him, it's like oh it's a Chinese custom about. Checking your heritage, I believe he says, and um yeah. obviously to, to Western audiences it's kind of shocking that the grandfather's said looking at his uh, grandson's uh genitals. So it's uh as I said, there was something that was interesting to, to see that with those obvious moments where, you know, you have that clash in, in culture, what's acceptable to in to to the in terms of, like, the Chinese family uh, unit and what's obviously not so acceptable from, like, the American side of things. So, I liked those little, those moments. And, I mean, Chi-Hung uh, Lung is really fantastic here as the father yeah. figure. I mean, he's not given a huge amount to do, but he works in a real sort of subtlety and... He appears throughout the whole of this this trilogy, uh, making him kind of like what uh, Federico Luppi is to Guillermo del Toro—just this amazing older actor. And is it? I mean, it's a shame that Lee didn't really get to do more films with him. We only did four films in total. Obviously, doing the Father's snows best trilogy and Crouch and Target and Dragon with him. But mm-hmm. all his performances are absolutely fantastic, and here it's probably his most subtle. Um, and it's just kind of a shame that everything in the films feel it's got that feel of being a debut film like the camera work isn't particularly adventurous the sets are very sort of basic Mm -hmm. and the dialogue is sort of it sort of plods along there's nothing really to sort of write home about it's no it's just a sort of simplest sort of tale
1: it's yeah it's very simple it's i think it's it's also you know probably deliberate because you know one it is his debut and second it's kind of like his kind of maybe testing the waters on how people res- respond to something like this, and that's probably why he brings in that whole um, American element, yeah.
0: um...
1: uh, you know, with the whole culture clash and stuff. Um, and you know, at the same time, he he, you know, it, it's it's very subtle. And I think that you know, the dialogue itself is is where is where you learn a lot more about the movies, and not exactly, you know, how you know. Um, you know, the interaction and stuff is not really there, but, you know, through like the father's letter or, you know, the ending specifically actually would that does that, you know, kind of thing. And you kind of have that contrast contrast of, you know, just um, the father finding kind of like uh, solace in in their friend's uh, mother, who also goes through the, who also went through the same situation of being pretty much shipped to America. <laughs> Like, they want to take care of their parents, and and um, I think that that's always been, you know, that's always been a central um, discussion is, uh, you know, taking care of your parents is a great thing. But it's kind of fake taking care of your parents when you try to plot them to, you know, <sighs> plot them into their own relationship or plot them to do something else or, you know, planning things for them and... That sort of thing. It, it's 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 a big issue about respect. I think, um, in many ways, it's it's this film, in its most subtle ways, is is about uh, respect in your family, um, the whole element of respect in a Chinese family, and the importance of you know that concept of taking care of your parents, which um, you know people don't really get because we actually don't have. I don't think there's actually like a term that you can actually. Uh, directly equates that value that we have, that we grow up with.
0: Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to talk about this one? Okay. No. For this one well then it takes us on to the second film The trilogy, The Wedding Banquet which is actually released in the US as the first film from Ang Lee uh, Pushing Hands being released as the third in a weird twist and certainly would have been rather confusing had you not known when Pushing Hands was being released it would almost seem like a step back to see it as the third film The Wedding Banquet though a 1993 romantic comedy is a real step up not in terms of style but also in screenwriting as well which again is also surprising considering During the fact that Pushing Hands and Wedding Banquet were both written and submitted at the same time, perhaps indicating that Angli had perhaps cleaned up and learned some mistakes from Pushing Hands when it came to the Wedding Banquet. Here, the film focuses on again a man from a Taiwanese man who is forced into marrying a Chinese woman to not only get his parents off his back, who are unaware that he is actually gay and living with his partner, here played by uh, Mitchell Lichtenstein, uh, but at the same time, aims to help her get a green card through the marriage. What originally, initially seems as a solve all problems for all parties concerned, soon, when his parents arrive in Manhattan, fully set on throwing their son a very elaborate wedding banquet that the film takes its title from. now, for myself, this is my favourite of the trilogy, and I think I'm just going to play my cards play my cards out by the fact that I've watched this film about three times in two days now, so it's kind of had that Cronus effect on me where I just really want to get my money out of the, that rental. But I really love The Wedding Banquet. I know there's people out there who think it's a little flat, but there's just... Something about this film, it's almost kind of like an episode of Will and Grace, there's real sort of fun comedy and kind of a gentle madcap humour to it, to the fact that you've got this gay man who's trying to cover for his, cover the fact he's gay to his parents, he's living with his partner who gets drawn into this scheme, and all the while not only having to deal with his parents, but he, an equally strong Chinese woman who is also his tenant and just seeing how the relationship grows and seeing how the family unit also develops as the uh, film goes on. It's just absolutely fascinating. But Kim, what did you think of the wedding banquet? What's your sort of opening thoughts on it?
1: Wedding banquet was a lot of fun. I think from pushing hands to wedding banquet, you definitely went from a whole different level of, you know, drama to it was kind of like a romantic Dramedy, mm. I guess you would call it, because there is a certain amount of drama to it. Um, uh, I don't really think it was, you know, there were a lot of funny moments, but it was more dramatic <laughs> than it was funny sometimes. Melancholy and stuff like that is, is, is very much in Asian cinema, so it's expected. Um, and, you know, this one also, it's, it's, this one is also about the same thing, you know, it, it kind of links to the first movie in the sense it's all about respecting your parents. Um, and and this is, you know, honoring their wishes and and, you know, meeting their expectations where, you know, being gay is something that especially in the 90s was not really something you can talk about in the open as freely as we do today. Um, it's not accepted. I mean, even now it's not very accepted in like a Chinese household, but, you know, it's more accepted than before. And back then it was kind of like, you know they didn't understand why someone would be gay and and so he had to do this whole ruse and at the same time you know i felt like and it's just crazy because you just wonder how far and how how you're going to come back out of this right i don't want to like talk about the ending but the twist at the end is just fantastic when you know the father has a nice little chat (laughs) about you know (laughs) has a nice little chat and uh it's it's you know, Father Knows <laughs> Best is about Father Knows All so it's, <laughs> so it's kind of like um, it, it's it's really fun, I think even, you know, you look at the wedding banquet and Hang Lee puts so much um, attention to it and just that whole big scenario is really, that, that that's really it, you know because I can feel for them because you know, if it was up to me I wouldn't have put up my own <laughs> wedding like so big as well <laughs> So, it's it's really about, you know, respecting your parents and giving them what they want. And this is giving them what they want. It's, you know, gives them face. It gives them um it gives them, you know, the respect that they deserve to show other people that oh, my 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 kid is getting married, especially if it's like your only son. That's like a big deal. Um so, you know, I I thought, you know, wedding banquet was was a ton of fun. And it was just and it was just, you know, the characters themselves were were just really so, you know, uh, well balanced, and they were like kind of in different spots of the spectrum. Um, especially with the parents as well, where where they stood in that whole spectrum, it was it was just you know all these elements added together that it, this movie really came together.
0: Definitely so. Um, I mean, here we've obviously got Winston Chow, who at the time was working as an air hostess when he was discovered by Lee. And he uh, basically got him to do the film saying that he would get a a one-to-one acting coach for him so that between scenes he would get acting lessons and, you know, they would guide him through the film. And since then, I mean, Winston Chow has gone on to have a really fantastic career both in TV and film and played a lot of many sort of prestigious roles. So it's kind of funny the fact that this is his debut role. And looking at the film, you wouldn't think that he wasn't a trained actor prior to doing this film, because he is just really fantastic. He's kind of like a gr- bit of a grump, but he's balanced out the same way by his uh, partner, Simon. Play, as I said, played by Mitchell Ellichensen, mm. who's kind of like more upbeat. He's kind of more of a, a free spirit and willing to sort of... He balances him out. At the same time, we throw into this sort of equation Weiwei, uh, who's played, played by Mei Chen, yeah. who herself is just completely different sort of free spirit. I mean, she... Is a painter, uh, but also penniless, and she's living in in uh, one of his uh, one of his buildings. And ba- they basically feel sorry in many ways for her situation, and they try to try to do the best. And when they find out the fact that she's going to be deported uh, back to Shanghai, they come up with this of elaborate scheme to sort of kill two birds with one stone, where they're going to get her a green card by uh, Wei Tong marrying her. And at the same time, you know, it's going to convince his parents that he's not gay because he keeps making all these like really good demands of like his ideal woman. The fact that she's going to be like five, nine, have two PhDs, speak five languages and be an opera singer. And his parents keep trying to match him up with these, these fantastic girls that they're getting for this dating agency. But. Of course, he's just having to constantly like shoot them down and like make these excuses why they he can't marry these women because obviously his situation. But I mean, you were right in saying. I mean, at the time, it wasn't sort of a done thing to have gay characters uh, on screen and certainly being as central as they are here. I mean, we're here in '93, so we're just a year after sort of the start of the new queer cinema movement that like ushers in people like Gus Van Sant and really sort of shows that you can have films about gay characters that aren't just about them coming out as being gay. Um, that, you know, the fact they can just be gay, and that's just all at sort of like the base level of the character. So this film, it's hard to say where it falls into like the new queer cinema sort of category, but it's certainly an important film within sort of the lgbt sort of cinema sort of scope and just the fact that it is about that change in times again you we've got the sort of cultural clash here of what his parents expect him to do and what he's obviously having sort of a more western sort of uh sense of how a wedding would just be where they just go down the registry office and get get married and have it old and dusted uh but his parents obviously want this big elaborate uh wedding which for myself i mean obviously, uh i only obviously have our western weddings to go off and certainly nothing as spectacular as we see here so certainly on a voyeur sort of uh side of things it's really fascinating when we get the sequences of the wedding banquet and we see all the sort of little traditions that are thrown in there and just the amount of money and the substance that is uh and creating this huge occasion and this huge celebration so I, as I said for myself it's uh it's it's just really sort of fascinating on 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 so many levels really.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's the one that you can maybe relate to the most in the sense that there is a lot of traditions that they keep um in in what it's trying to portray. And I think that it's really smart on Ang Lee's move to Kind of like put his centerpiece as kind of I think probably the biggest set piece in this is the whole wedding situation, and just in that one wedding, uh, you know, put aside you know the the father's health and put aside all that other stuff that you know fell into the equation during the film. Um, the whole wedding banquet itself, and from all its traditions, showed you know culture, and I really think that in the end. Ang Lee's main goal of this whole trilogy was to kind of like let America see this kind of unknown culture that people don't know, you know. And and really like the the values that every family has and kind of like, you know, those things you need to break through if you've moved to America or, you know, just, you know, the western side of things where um, I think that that's, that's the main thing. And Wedding Banquet really, you know, you know, even if you put aside the whole um, LGBT thing, the relationship that's going on there, there's a lot to, you know, just uh, really like and how he does everything. Because, you know, every single uh, thing that's done might not have cost money in, in that wedding. But it was all about, you know, like, if you didn't explain it, like, would you understand why the kids had to jump on the bed, or like, why why they would go and like um, barge into the me- uh, the wedded couple before they, you know, their 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 night, kind <laughs> of thing? And <laughs> and I think it that. explains
0: a lot of it, though in there's so many sort of the scenes in that way it seems there's there's one character explain to another why they're doing things which i think really yeah. helps as you said when you've got the small boy jump on the bed they really get the mileage out of that small child it's like <laughs> constantly finding ways to include this small child in the scene and i wasn't sure if it was like ang lee's son um who actually does a cameo as one of the wedding guests yeah I, know. Sort of I like to do <laughs> Just, just being somewhere in the background with food—that's that's sort of action I can get on with. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure if it's if it's.
1: I, th- I think oh is it this one was it this one or the next that I can't remember. Oh, I think it was the was it this one? Oh, the one where the guest was sitting down and they were like, oh, is this the wedding? Is this this person's wedding? And then is it this one or the, the next movie? I don't remember. That and then he was like, and then the his, the guy next to him, no, this is this wedding, and he just keeps eating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Uh, I, think, I think that's uh, the next the next film that that one's in, but yeah, it was sort of like these really weird customs, and I think this is the great thing about when you have the character Simon in here because he really represents the westerners watching the film because he's sort of like taking in all these different things, and I love it, as again the fact that he's constantly by his uh, his boyfriend's side, so. He's initially introduced as the landlord, and then he obviously takes on the best man role. So he's sitting at the wedding table, and you obviously got Wang Tong and Weiwei carrying out this sort of fake phony marriage. And he's sitting beside him, and the scene where they share this kiss, and he turns to Simon, and Simon just wipes his lips. I just love that sequence so much. <laughs> and when we get the wedding photos afterwards, and you see how he's basically... you could look at those wedding photos and think it's either Wai Tung and Simon's wedding or Wang Tung and Weiwei's wedding depending on mm. which way you're looking at it and just how the family unit just the family unit is already established though and we haven't even realised it because we assume at the end that where the family unit sort of is like fully comes together and we see everyone together that that's the moment it all comes together but we see from the photos that right from when they got, got married even though not everyone's intentions were sort of on the table they were already that sort of family unit they have been bonded for this occasion which is just so really touching to see but yeah. yeah a lot of those customs are just like why is the child jumping on the bed why are you forcing these people to get naked <laughs> naked in the after party and stuff it's like ah, uh, is this sort of nonsense you had to do at your wedding kim
1: no, the the whole breaking into your your bedroom thing that that doesn't happen as much anymore. Unless you have like maybe in China, maybe they still do it. I don't know. But um, but no, I I mean we don't have all those things. I didn't have a kid jump on my bed, so it's, prob- <laughs> it's probably why I <laughs> it's probably why I don't have a kid. <coughs> I skipped all of that stuff. No, no. no. But uh, yeah. but I think that you know that I, I actually think the scene that I just talked about where the person was at the wrong wedding actually makes a lot of sense in this one um it actually was in this one i think um and it was great because that's what weddings are it's a show off of your parents to like your parents showing off your kid getting married and the success you know like that prior that proud moment they have of their kid being married off and and a lot of times that's what it is is that you don't really know half the people there (laughs) But your parents might not even know Half the people there but it's like a friend of a friend Is there but it's okay they can all sit down And have dinner and it's just a celebration For something great right so While like I, I had this whole Question in my mind during wedding banquet And I was like you know it seems Like they invited a lot of people from his Work and I'm like but wouldn't the people From his work know that he's gay But they're still playing along With this and that he's marrying A girl and no one says Anything and (laughs)
0: <laughs> and i'm like well they yeah because the, the only thing that they say um is the fact that um it's sort of like oh he it's just like one day he comes in and he's like i'm getting married so i assume that he's kept his his relationship yeah secret yeah and certainly would be keeping him with the, with the period where not everyone who was gay was obviously open and mm. and proud about it i mean we had a lot of we had many sort of uh, things. I mean, especially over here in, in the UK, we had. It was sort of like something that was like always uh, kept on sort of the fringes and stuff, and you you couldn't just be out and openly gay as you obviously can now, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think certainly in, in terms of like the period it represents, I think it's certainly an important film, and it's a re- obviously a reminder of how things used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it only makes the ending all the more sort of poignant, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, where, as you said, we've got... I mean, should we just should we do spoilers here, or...?
1: We can, yeah, I think so, because I think the ending's worth talking about.
0: Okay. So, spoiler alert here, but uh, obviously, uh, Tung's father admits to Simon that he knows his son's gay, and the two are having a discussion on Ever Blank, and you see the river flowing in the background this sort of indication of like changing times and he basically says to him that you know i love my son and my son loves you which makes you my son as well and it's a really sort of touching scene it shows this man who up until this point we've we've been led to believe is sort of very set and very traditional sort of viewpoints and established in his ways that he's not going to accept his son as being gay but he's Here's showing like uh, an acceptance of the situation and a willingness to change and adapt with the times. Um, The fact that he knows that Simon brings his son happiness, and then ultimately, his son's happiness that he cares about. The fact that they're gonna have a child due to a drunken moment between uh, Wei Tang and and Wei Wei that happens at the banquet. That you know, all parties are uh, ultimately being satisfied because the parents just want a grandchild and, you know, Tung wants to be happy. So they'll ultimately end in this situation that while it's not resolved, there's certainly a hopefulness for the future for them. And certainly as we see this unique family unit that we're sort of left with in America and we see the parents going off happy. And I mean, you touched on already the fact that when the mother feels that you know perhaps it's a psychological condition her son has that he's chosen to be gay that perhaps he was hurt by a an evil woman <laughs> that uh, caused him to go to go gay which i i, I still remember the that people thinking that you know this is why people are gay it's sort of like it's a a phase that you're going to go out of and that you know it's because you've been hurt by a member of the opposite sex that you've chosen to find comfort and relationships with members of your same sex. So it's, uh, it, there's all these little moments that like, as I say, if you're good sort of like, uh, of, of the period or you, you're aware of how things used to be. It's sort of like a real sort of reminder of mm-hmm. how far we've come really. Yeah,
1: And I think, I think as, as you know, I, I I'm going to say our ending thoughts, since we we're already talking about the ending and mm. it's, I think that if we compare, um, if we look at Pushing Hands and then we look at the wedding banquet. I think one of the takeaways of this and even in you know the next film we're going to have that thing is um since you know this is about yeah, this is called the Father Knows Best trilogy. So I feel like we should talk about the father a little bit more. Yes. Um just the idea is that I really love the concept that um our fa- a Chinese father is almost always quiet he's silent and he notices the little things that go on but that's what chinese parents are like is that they may notice something and they might not say it right away but you know they know a lot more than they're letting on and i think that this is what's so great about you know this whole character of of, you know, Shi, uh, Shi, uh, si, si Hong si Hong Long? Is that it? Si, si Long Hong? Or something like that. I can't remember his name. Uh, si, 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 Hong si, si Hong Long. Hong and, Long. And what it is, is that he, he plays like, his character is so, so subtle. And you rarely really notice him there unless he, you know, has a heart attack or a mini stroke and then he goes to the hospital or something like that, right? And, you know, just his little expressions and stuff. Only his family notices, you know, his his uh, discontentment, and you know that sort of whole idea of, you know, him seeing that uh, that that man at the restaurant who uh, who you know convinces them to do the wedding banquet, um, and you know the and even the last conversation at the end is that you know it's such a turning point because you see that even in this one and the last one is that no matter how strong their father is and how much. Um, they've given up for their uh, child to be able to have a better future in, you know, America. They have this um, willingness to accept and that your parents are willing to accept a lot more than you give them credit for. Even though he makes it very clear is that he doesn't understand why his son is like that. But it doesn't matter to him because he's still getting what he wants. So that's why he doesn't want anybody to know that he knows. Uh, but at the same time it's kind of like his way of finding it's just his way of making things work out in the best possible way that he can accept it
0: definitely so and i don't know what it is about Ang Lee's, uh sort of uh, thoughts on this this character here played by Qi hung lung but in all three films there's a moment where the another character thinks he's dead and it's the most random thread that ties all three films together. There's o- there's always a scene in each of these three films where one member of the family assumes that the father's dead. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a really fantastic film. I think it, for myself, it's the strongest of the three films. Um, I think there's just fantastic performances throughout, and I think I don't know whether it's it feels more Western than the other two, which have got very much more distinctly uh, Eastern feel to them, or whether that's just just myself but
1: i would say that pushing hands is the most western one for me like it's more like um it has a more obvious culture clash this one is yeah there's a bit of culture clash but it's more on you know just the whole uh family dynamic of you know uh a chinese family and just the acceptance level of you know what you're willing to accept in you know their uh, his son's um sexual orientation and you know his relationship and whatnot
0: yeah and I have to also give a credit to Mitchell Lichtenstein for the fact he speaks with the native tongue as well. He's uh, um I don't know if he can actually speak Chinese at uh, all, but it certainly was very convincing <laughs> the scenes that he did. And it's random the fact he does it uh, does it so fluently, you would have thought that he would have been like sort of kept out of the loop for the fact he wouldn't speak uh Chinese at all, but here he is. He's apparently obviously learned it perhaps to impress his boyfriend, which I could probably understand but it's also worth noting, Mitchell and directed Teeth, which I didn't realize until I was doing the research of this film, the film about the girl with a dented vagina. So, <laughs> there's a fun movie to pair this with. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely an interesting. He's a interesting director as well as an actor. And it's kind of a shame that he didn't sort of really uh, get the sort of profile the, as an actor, but. He's really fantastic and uh, definitely one of my highlights of the, the film along with Mei Chen, who's just, her free spirit is just intoxicating yeah. to watch. Uh, yeah, I think
1: Wei Wei was, was probably, um, she was such like a breath of fresh air in the movie. Like she she had this like, you know, it was amazing how her character was able to bring so much to the movie because, you know, at the same time, She obviously has a little something for, uh, for Wei Tong, right? And at the same time, she's willing to accept this and find a way to balance. And she, and and you know, she kind of you can feel that she doesn't feel this is right. The whole scheming thing, and it gets to her more and more throughout the film. But, but you know, eventually, you know, she, she gets, you know, she kind of gets the respect she deserves. Um, and kind of like her place at the end and and that's and, and, and you know it's like what you said the the whole family unit really comes together and and it really it, it it works it works itself out which is which is really nice.
0: Oh definitely so and you see those scenes obviously between Weiwei Wei and and his mother and you see them these bonds being formed throughout and the fact that even though it's a sham wedding she's still, Gets this feeling because of uh, the fact that she brings over all these elaborate sort of like gowns and gifts and jewelry and stuff and the fact that in her mind it suddenly becomes like she is actually having a proper marriage um, and proper wedding the fact that she's got all these sort of elements of tradition and culture that's now been brought into it whereas it's no longer just this sort of quickie sham marriage that they're having just so that they can get the papers pushed through. It's suddenly raised this whole other level because of uh, the parents' involvement and their desire to obviously have uh, to sort of like uh, make up for the, the the courthouse wedding that they have. Well, on to yeah. the final film of the trilogy. Um, uh, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Um, a film which is I think when when we uh, were talking about Marianne Trenette, this is a film that we brought up um, as further viewing, and it certainly... Uh, one of the key reasons for that being that this is some serious food porn. Um, and it opens with a very elaborate <laughs> food preparation sequence, as here, um Xia Hong Lung, again, playing the father role, is plays a, Here he plays a master chef who at the same time is losing his sense of taste uh, while also having to deal with the challenges of raising three daughters who are all heading out on their individual paths in life as they prepare to leave the nest, so to speak. So this is a, a film set in Taiwan, so a very Eastern production, and... This is a film which I felt went on about half an hour too long for my personal taste as there's certain plot threads that didn't really connect as well as others, but I'd be interested to see what you made of this one, Kim.
1: I think that in terms of the three movies, this one definitely yeah. uh, felt, well, it was longer, so it definitely was supposed to feel longer. Um, but at the same time, you also have a lot more characters that you're dealing with. So um I felt like the pacing was a bit all over the place um especially when we talked about you know like the the three do- the three daughters um there is obviously a a favorite here which is as we jump through all these daughters there's one of the biggest issues is with the girl the the daughter that wants to leave <laughs> the fastest um who ends up being the last to leave <laughs> uh, and um the the whole dynamic of how um a family, you know, dinner time is the time where uh the whole family gets together and this is where their their bonding or their, you know dilemmas and their arguments are gonna the, and their the, communication basically. The, whatever the way they to choose. Together happens.
0: for the family the family dinner on a Sunday is what what's uh, is basically keeping the family together, but it's sort of Becoming more fractured as the much like the family unit, the food is also t- sort of representing the fracturedness between them, as uh, largely as a result of the father having no sense of taste, so he's never able to flavor f- food properly, relying on his sort of like assistant chef and old uh, best friend old Wang to. Services taste buds as here uh, he's often shown passing food over to him and then judging his facial reaction as to whether the food's been cooked correctly or not um as you said already we've got the three daughters here we've got uh jai jen mm-hmm. who's a school teacher who after breaking up with her college boyfriend has converted to christianity we've got uh jai chen who's a real independent um, one, and she works as an airline executive, um, which is a path that she was kind of forced onto when her father banned her from the kitchen, seeing that she was going to follow in his footsteps of being a chef, and decided to push her to focus on her studies instead. And then we've also got the youngest uh, daughter, which is Jai Ning, who in an interesting contrast with her father obviously working as a master chef in this you know fancy upscale restaurant, she's working like the Chinese version. Is it Wendy's or KFC? I couldn't really <laughs> tell which. Right, but um, she yeah, she's she's uh, basically working in a fast food restaurant, which is is There's an interesting Wendy's. contrast. And her character, I felt, was probably the least developed of the three, as the other two are very sort of like very sort of set lines and um how their sort of paths playing with the relationship with the father and the third youngest daughter it sort of felt very sort of throwaway and decided sort of pad things out.
1: I wouldn't say that. I would say that the, the, each of the daughters had their own um kind of purpose and their own personality. Um Janning is uh is the youngest. Um she's definitely obviously the best the most um, adapted to, you know, like, the new world outside, right? So he, so she is more, um, she's less, uh, I guess, picky about her father's food. Whereas, you know, Jia Chen will comment and kind of be like a pain in his backside. Um, Jianing is more, you know, willing to go with the flow, uh, you know, like she she's willing to be like, oh, you know, it's okay, everything still tastes the same, and da da da. You know, like she doesn't have that, you know, same appreciation, but at the same time, she still has the respect sort of thing. But you know, Janning is kind of like the bravest, I guess, out of the three, the three girls because uh, she's you know she's the one who. Who talks about love and what her definition of love is in a relationship? Because I think one of the main things is that uh, you know the father talks about how the three daughters uh, it will eventually all leave him, and it's it's inevitable that it's going to happen because he has daughters, and that's that's one of you know like a Chinese thing is is having daughters is a bad thing because your daughters are. Um, like a loss in investment, because you marry them away. They aren't yours anymore. They will belong to your in-laws. And, you know, uh, that's, you know, a belief, uh, that's, that's that's something that people, that's why people value sons more. (laughs) Um, but at the same time, you know, like, he talks about it like, you know, his daughters are all gonna leave him, and, but the daughters all seem to have that whole aspect of staying, where... You know, each one of them have their own little things where Jia Jen is really, like, she's scared to fall in love, I think. She's more closed in, in her own little world. And we realize that, you know, um, she's done a lot to kind of just be that rock at home that will stay with her father. You know, like, because she wants her younger, like, she plays the role of her of a mother more than of a sister. Because she wants to make sure that the younger two has an opportunity to go out in the world if it means sacrificing herself to stay at home.
0: Uh Yeah, it's
1: Whereas yeah.
0: It it with I mean with her character, the fact that she's so super religious, I mean the, the characters constantly make like jokes that her boyfriend's Jesus, which makes any other man uncomparable so this is why that she's living this sort of spinster existence at home so
1: yeah but at the same time you know you see her and and she has this really big breakdown moment when um i guess i kind of understand it is is when you get to a certain point in life people at a certain age people expect you to be at a certain point in your life and in her point in life which i don't know how old she is in the film because i don't not really sure but she's already working as a school teacher so i guess she's done university and stuff so she might be in like her i don't know late 20s yeah. or something or mit or whatnot so it's it's you know in the 90s it's time to get married pretty much it, you shouldn't really be the spinster and stay at home all day so you see all everyone trying to find her a husband and then she flips out and she's like why does everybody expect that I want a husband that I'm looking for a husband kind of thing you know and and obviously you know all that kind of like turns back and slaps her in the face but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it's it's kind of like But that's, you know, with each of these daughters, we kind of see a different, um, element of, I guess, uh, a big no-no in the community, but they all end up turning around and, and finding, kind of finding their path a little in, in where they need to be. Like for her, it's being a spinster. And then for, uh, Jia Chen, it's kind of like, um, the ambitious, uh, the ambitious, you know, um, independent woman, but... Who is not willing to settle because she's having this fling, right, mm. with with uh with her ex boyfriend, oddly, <laughs> and and just you know the freedom that she gets from it and her desire to kind of just leave, uh, leave the leave the you know the comfort of her her home, um which she doesn't find very comfortable, obviously because, obviously she believes that leaving her home is going to be. Better for her relationship with her father, uh, whereas you know, Janing is a bit different in the sense that her issue was that you know, obviously, she ended up, you know, hooking up with her friend's boyfriend, her friend's ex boyfriend. It's it's I supposed to
0: guess. be her boyfriend because the relationship's going through a bit of a interesting patch where she's basically trying to play hard to get and sort of like being yeah mean to keep him keen i guess is the best way to describe their relationship and he's yeah. tormenting himself as he's like trying to get her affection but he feels that everything yeah. he does is just like being met with a, a cold shoulder despite the fact that she is obviously interested in him she's just playing this game to uh to to keep the control and yeah. she's sort of like a Ends up being sort of the go between. She goes out initially to like say, Oh no, she's going to be like working late. And they yeah. she finds this sort of unique bond, which soon spells into something a lot more. Um, ultimately, leaving me creating this sort of uh, situation where she suddenly just sort of like goes, oh, I'm leaving now and just sort of disappears from the film which is kind of bizarre and was a little bit jarring and maybe we feel that her character as i said was just a little more underdeveloped when we compare her to the two older sisters so
1: well i guess i guess it's not really that bad i mean because when you leave you leave right it doesn't it's not it's not really like this drawn-out experience of that you know like she got, you know, I guess, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but, you know, she she gets pregnant, and then she decides that she goes. And and that's the end of the story. Like, I figured that would be where we were heading anyways, because that seemed like the outcome for her character. Um, but, you know, like, I don't know. I don't have... I, I It is underdeveloped, obviously. Uh, out of the three, she's the first to leave, leave the home. So you also have this concept that, you know... She, she did have a lot more time in the beginning where she explains herself and she's a bit more daring than her, her sisters are in terms of, you know, facing the guy that she likes and, you know, sharing her point of view of, you know, loving someone is, you know, you know, being in a relationship is not about the whole torment of love. It's about, you know, communication and being comfortable and being able to, you know, be yourself kind of thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that that, that conversation in itself was something that um, needed to be said in the whole uh, concept, in the whole like film itself, because it feels like the the her two older sisters don't quite understand that.
0: No, not at all. And in many ways, I mean, the fact that this is a story really where the family isn't able to communicate properly. And the fact that all the communication yeah. is really done through food that all the major mm-hmm. connections here, they all have a food sort of basis to it. Um, as Mr. chu he uses the Sunday dinner as a way to get his daughters to sit around the same table at the same time, which is mm-hmm. indicated yeah. that with their busy lives doing their own individual sort of paths, that it is not something that would happen otherwise. And even though we hear um, Chen, who is basically refers to it as the torture chamber <laughs> yeah so she's and she,
1: yeah torture trial and Sunday yeah at dinner, the same torture time, she trial. uses
0: food as a, a, a way to connect with her lover um showing that she has the same sort of love for preparing sort of intricate gourmet meals that her father does and we find out more of the sort of history being through her cooking of like her relationship with her father how it became to become sort of of distances they started off having a very close relationship we're told and the fact that he would constantly like make like dough bracelets and uh she would like learn how to cook and it was just basically the fact that he wanted her to study to study rather than to follow his sort of path in life that uh causes sort of fractured relationship between them even though she still very much loves and remembers all the lessons that uh she was taught and i kind of as i was watching the film i was kind of like expecting that she would end up taking over his role in the restaurant that he she would step up and take over of his role as the as the head chef so that she would leave the airline job but ultimately it's not to be she just becomes like this fan of gourmet cooking at home
1: i think i think there's you know, I think there's there's two elements here that um, that I really want to talk about, and 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 you know, one of them is you know obviously the line that they use: eat, drink, man, woman, food, sex are all basic human desires. <laughs> the the father says that to his friend as they drunkenly walk away from the restaurant one night, <laughs> and at the same time, um, one other, I think that that really plays into this film, like he kind of like sneaks it in there to kind of you know because all that stuff we experience throughout the film. And, you know, this is probably, this film has a lot more, you know, sexual elements to it than, you know, the previous two. And, and the second thing is, you know, talking about, you know, more about the father here. Um, it's, it kind of comes into play that, you know, we, we soon realize that while Jachen and his father gets along the most, um, and why it's like, kind of like a father's, um, hope, that the daughter won't go back, go won't go in his path, because being a cook is hard, it's tough, you know? So, you know, fathers don't want you to take the same path, their, their kids to take the same path, same hard path as they had, if, you know, they're able to give them a better future. And that was why that, you know, we had the, the his best friend, which is uh, Wen, tell, tell, you know, the daughter about, it seems like the, Wen has a good relationship Uncle Wen has a good relationship with Jia Chen And they have that conversation about How you know your father Did you a really good thing by banning you From the kitchen because he wanted something better For you kind of thing Um, You know obviously there's this There's this whole element of how When we see at the end is that Jia Chen actually has the Strongest link of this whole Family element and in reality Both her And her father have this inability to communicate um her sister talks tells her about that you know how tells you know Chen tells jian and and while they're washing the dishes about how you know she feels like she hates her oh uh, and you know like that and then you know they have this whole conversation about how she's not a sister but more of a mother role and and things like that and you have all these different things where in reality jian and 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 her father is very similar because both of them have a really hard time communicating their feelings. And they both have a lot of repressed feelings, uh, which, which you know, leads to, you know, obviously we don't really know what goes on until, you know, the big finale there where Ang Lee kind of like
0: <laughs>
1: has a big family announcement, which kind of shocks everybody. Uh,
0: but that, I mean, this is me a little bit about the food prep here because as I said, this, this is – some serious poop porn here, as we said already, and you watch this meal being, this intricate meal being prepared, and I mean, we are both enjoy yeah. cooking, and you f- look at this and you realise, oh, we don't cook like this at all. I don't know, maybe Kim does, but certainly, certainly myself, I don't cook as fancy as this is because you look at his like <laughs> wall of knives, and he's like doesn't have just like a little knife rack. He has like three rows of different knives and cleavers and. You see the way that the food is being prepared with such lovingness and tenderness and precision, the way that the food's cut. And it's so shot okay. so and edited so well that you think Shi Hung Lung is actually doing all the food prep. And I don't... Yeah. Maybe he did, because mm-hmm. we do see him do some wide shots of him doing food prep, but I'm not, not sure if he's got the knife skills that we see here. And... It, in many ways, it's much like when we see when a, like, so a chef and we have like the uh, grilled cheese sandwich in it, they just maybe want to like rush off to the kitchen and just start making things. It just like inspires this thing. It's like, oh, I must go and prepare elaborate things that nobody in my house would <laughs> eat apart from me. And...
1: The really great part is a, a lot of the food he preps is, is really like traditional Chinese dishes. Um, A lot of traditional Chinese cuisine, which is so sophisticated to prep that i don't think a lot of people actually know how to do it at home like at least i i've actually i'm i'm i want to learn how to do a lot of it at home but um a lot of it is just so complicated um that that you know it's amazing to see how he does it and and, and it's just it's it's really like to start a movie like that and then every single you know time to have a dinner we see another bit of it and whatnot and it, it's it kind of I don't know. It's 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 so it's so nice to see the like the food culture as well.
0: Definitely so, and it, it's an exquisitely short sequence that's well worth just watching, just watching on its own. Never mind the rest of the film. Just this one, this this sequence of how food is being shot and prepared it's just it's just uh, a real sort of evolution in style for lee as a director and it's one of those first visual flares that we see him experimenting with because up until this point obviously we're pushing hands and the wedding banquet the visual flair isn't quite there that obviously becomes more to the forefront in the films which follow obviously the wedding banquet had more sort of elaborate sets and and certainly with the shot design was certainly a step up from pushing hands which was very simplistic and again he's experimenting with the food preparation sequences that it's not just a person preparing food they are showing someone who has both skill and a love of what they do and it really sort of resonates more when you find out that the fact that he is losing his sense of taste so he is essentially having the one thing that he loves so much taken away from him and he's still trying to find a way to work around it. He, like, compares himself to Beethoven, the fact that, you know, you can have a deaf composer, why can't you have, like, a, a chef without taste buds? And the fact, as I said, the, way, the fact that he's he's got a wang there to, as a workaround... And the, he still has this great sort of knowledge base. The fact that the restaurant phoned him up to problem solve, and when he turns up at the restaurant, he's 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 like almost like a doctor rushing into a surgery. The fact that they got this kitchen crisis, and he's leaping out the taxi, and he's like being briefed as he's going, and he's getting his chef whites yeah. on. it sort of like, oh, the shark fin soup's not working. He's like, no, because you bought fake fins, and this is why it all falls apart. And okay, we're going to like make this meal instead, and. Even when he he forms like a almost like a adopted grandfatherly bond with uh with the daughter of his his um his daughter's friend. <laughs> I apologize for the lack of name yeah. use here, but it he completely eluded me. And
1: Jin, Jin Rong. Yeah, and
0: he starts making these dinners for her he trades out her her school Yeah, for
1: the little girl and she
0: by the end she's running a racket where she's taking orders (laughs) so he's running like his own little mini restaurant and we find out the fact that because he can't taste he actually appreciates these meals that her mother's making from because they're more coarse in texture and again this opens up this whole other relationship that we've got uh that only sort of comes to the forefront at the end though we find out the real Mm -hmm. what's happening with that relationship there as well so again there's all these connections being made through food and and all of it looks absolutely stunning
1: and and i think i think you know as an ending note um because we're, we're running a bit long right now and we should really get to further viewing soon i think one of the last things i want to talk about is i really love you know if you take this into consideration that this is your third movie in father knows best trilogy the way we end it is so amazing, too, because because you know, I, I guess it's kind of a spoiler, so you know, uh, I guess beware, it's a spoiler. So what happens in the end end scene, a final final scene, is you know, everybody's so busy, no one comes back for dinner, <laughs> obviously, and only Jia Chen and his father is there, and they have an argument over, you know, she's cooking the meal now, and then the father. The father argues with her over the amount of ginger that needs to be used. And and it turns out that he is wrong because the amount of ginger she uses revives his taste buds. <laughs> and I love it so much because in a father knows best kind of trilogy, he it's kind of ends with the fact that maybe he doesn't.
0: That's very good. I didn't notice that until you just pointed it out, so that's really good. Well done. <laughs> uh, but...
1: So yeah. Any any final thoughts on uh on, on,
0: on this? Um Do not watch this if you think that you know how to cook. This is an intimidating movie that will soon prove you wrong. Um Yeah, this is a film, I mean it's it's got it suddenly got its moments. There's some really random moments, such as when we see her the daughter turn from spinster to sex pot by wheeling in the Hugh stereos and blasting Christian the gospel um, which seems to have like the effect of a hairdryer because her hair goes really big and blown out. So I'm not sure what was going on there, but <laughs>
1: oh no, it's just, it's just her breaking okay. free. I mean, she's not that you know timid girl anymore. She's got style and she's really out to get her man. You know, she's found her confidence, kind of thing, I guess. Um, yeah. So no, the, you know, the the movie has some real random jumping sporadically around yeah. to different characters and. It's all in the heart of you know capturing all the three daughters and their different phases that they're kind of going through at the same time and that sort of stuff. Uh, but you know, it, it, it it's it's it, it's a bit it's a bit crazy sometimes. You know, between all the characters that he juggles and whatnot, it it's it's a really it is. I still think Eat Drink Man Woman is a very close second as an enjoyable experience yeah. to Wedding Banquet, but. Um, I think I think what elevates this movie, as I've mentioned before when we were talking about um, somewhere in the last season, is is the fa- is the fact that father daughter relationships, especially ones um, relating to you know even Chinese families, especially really do touch me a lot because I can relate to a lot of it. So, this movie, why it kind of, like, snuck a little bit higher than Wedding Banquet is because I really enjoyed where this movie was going and and just, you know, those, those relationships that it had and those, like, random moments of things happening were funny and there were so many twists to it and... There's, like, a decent amount of drama and that sort of
0: stuff. Oh uh, Yeah, I totally expected that, especially because you, you mentioned, obviously, when we were talking about somewhere on our previous season, obviously, about the res- how you resonated with movies which have the father-daughter relationship, and certainly that was a key element of that particular film. And here again, it's a it's father and his three daughters. And for myself, it very much... It, it connects with me on the fact that it's um, about... You know, bonding over food and cooking, and that's certainly something mm-hmm. that like resonates. You know, the relationship I had with my father. I mean, he taught me how to cook, and we were constantly uh, talk about about food. And I, it's a film I wish I kind of had a chance to have shown him had I discovered it uh, back then, and unfortunately didn't didn't get to see it, but it's uh, one I think you probably would have enjoyed especially as I said that opening sequence which and we're just going to keep coming back to time and time again but it's really cool much like knowing how to blow up a goose which we also see in the film <laughs> so
1: <laughs> so yeah I guess it's time for further viewing
0: it's yeah, it, it's a interesting trilogy of movies to say the least I mean obviously you Drink Man Woman goes on Half an Hour Too Long and Pushed Hands is, has its own sort of problems a bit I think for myself, I mean, it's just-done-with-eat-drink-woman man, Woman, um, the ones which sort of would stand out for my father-son bonding over food and food preparation, and particularly in that film, it's food trucks and a very sexy-looking grilled cheese sandwich, which probably will make you want to rush off and make your own. Uh, the the other films, I'm obviously, I mean, you could watch, like, Gran Torino if you wanted something further for pushing hands, which is obviously Clint Eastwood having to deal with his own aging sort of advanced years and trying to find where his place in this new society is but with the wedding banquet I'm not sure what to really pair of it I don't know. go and watch a lot of Will and Grace I guess because it's very similar in style to what we get here so
1: well I, I, did, I didn't group my things like that so um okay so for me I think in terms of you know um uh just intergenerational and kind of like a culture clash I'd go with um something like uh uh, not uh, 1993's uh, *Joy Luck Club*, okay. which is adapted from the book by Amy Tan, um, which you know talks about you know their immigrant immigrant mothers and and their and their uh, Chinese American uh, daughters and kind of like the gap that they have and their lack of you know their their lack of understanding for each other and how they kind of find their parents back in a certain way. You kind of see both of the stories of how their mothers came ended up in america and how they you know got to where they are now um you know obviously this movie also has ming na wen which is you know she's a big deal now that she she i think she was part of what the uh, agents of marvel or something agents of shield um if you want something like uh more on that whole lgbt kind of uh thing <laughs> you would go with something like uh Wong car uh 97's uh happy together with leslie chung um, which, you know, is, I've never seen, but I've seen scenes of, cause it came out when I was too young and my dad didn't let me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but I heard it's really good. So I'm definitely sure that's a pretty good one to pair with. Um, you know, something like, uh, what was uh, the wedding banquet? Um, And then you have something like, uh, you know, when you talk about food, I always like to talk about uh, Julie and Julia, which is kind of like a different, you know, also like a different generation of cooking and that sort of thing. And a nice little comparison between the two, Um, a lot of fun cooking bits there as well. Um, But I think I think uh, I've never seen it before, but I think that the recently released The Farewell might pair really well with uh, one of these movies. Um, mostly because I was looking through the story and it talks a lot about, you know, like just the different generation and the different values and views of, you know, how they have to treat uh, how they how they should keep or not with with or withhold kind of like yeah, withhold or not information from their el- the elderly grandmother who is diagnosed with cancer and, and, is, and is, you know, pretty much in her last days in her final days. Um, which is pretty much, you know, the basis of The Farewell, which I think pairs well with any of these, you know, kind of movies.
0: Yeah, The Farewell definitely would, uh, would definitely be a great one to pair with this, this trilogy. I mean, Awkwafina really new evolution from rapper to very interesting actress, as be said. She, she really keeps picking interesting roles, and just surprisingly, in mean, The Farewell really sort of sees her sort of stepping up her performances yet again. And I say the thing. I think we need to really sort of sit down at some point and work and talk about our favorite food movies because this, when it comes to like Drink Man Woman, I mean there are we're sort of like there's abundance of food movies that you would want to pair it to. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean obviously the ones that I couldn't remember before, which uh, would be <coughs> uh, would be like uh, Big Night or Babette's Feast. Those would be the two that mm. chocolat. Chocolate would be a get, another good one as well. Um chocolate is very it's hard to it's very distracting because it's got so many like underlying relationships and people having very erotically charged reactions to chocolate that it's you forget mm-hmm. that there's obviously got that foodie element to it. Um And it makes me wonder they that yeah. old Simpsons joke of whether they actually made a Johnny Depp chocolate figurine to go with the movie. <laughs> we melted for him. Now he's going to melt for us. <laughs> 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 cool. Um. So that brings us the end of our opening of uh, season four. Obviously, we this was our look back at the Father Knows Best trilogy. A uh, interesting trilogy of films, to say the least, and certainly worth uh, worth worth checking out. Um. If you, although I wouldn't hard to say whether we would say this is like a good starting point for lee as a a director would you say or would you say to look at some one of his sort of later projects really
1: uh like i said i've only seen like three other movies so i can't really comment on Ang Lee. but i I i'm sure his later films are probably better polished and whatnot but i think father knows best is um notable it's very worth seeing um uh, despite the fact that, you know, Chinese culture is much more, uh, much more, you know, known now, there are still a lot of things that, you know, even for you, it was kind of like a surprise little tidbits of knowledge that you didn't know before. So um, I think the value in Ang Lee's work is how he really tries to bring that authentic kind of feeling of, um, of, of Chinese culture from, you know, food and um, Tai Chi or martial arts and, and and you know wedding ceremonies and celebrations and and kind of like family relationships and just the the values and family values uh that you know makes it worthwhile to watch because it's 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 a different culture and and essentially there's a lot to learn um i always i always like learning about other cultures so i don't know if other people like to do that but (laughs) but if you do you're like me then sure this is a really great one even though it's in the 90s Chinese culture hasn't really changed that much.
0: <laughs> Ooh, So where do we go from here, Kim? What's next on our slate?
1: So the next one is probably one that you will be going, ugh, you <laughs> know, but because it's a period drama, um, we're heading into uh, a Austin adaptation, Sense and Sensibility, uh, set in, in 1995. Um, uh, I, I was actually surprised because I actually watched the movie, and then only realize after that it was directed by Ang Lee. So I'm really interested in revisiting this one.
0: Yes, certainly uh, out of the fire pan and panning into the fire. Ang Lee here making his break hit with the Hollywood studio system in 95 with an adaptation of a Jane Austen novel, which is ambitious to say the least. So we'll certainly be interested in to uh, see how this goes. And obviously at the same time, a screen working from a screenplay penned by the Oscar winning actress Emma Thompson so it's a period drama so it'd be interesting to see how this sort of stacks up because there's certainly no no lack of them being produced by the british cinema system that's for sure so but uh, that's uh, coming up on our next episode. Uh, if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button and so maybe leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. We appreciate all your feedback. You can also follow us on the social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Instagram. And you can also uh, follow us on... Um, you can also check out our archive, which is movesintpodcast.wordpress.com. Um, and on there you can also check out our reviews and lists and other fun things that we post as well so thank you as always for listening thank you to my host kim and we'll be back next time to talk about sense and sensibility good night